Welcome to Accelerating Your Dental Practice, a podcast with free expert advice to accelerate your practice's efficiency, growth, and profit. Here's your hosts, dental management consultants and friends, Malika and Michelle. Welcome back to another episode of Accelerate Your Dental Practice. Malika and I are here together today. We have, we have no guest for you, but we have a lot of great uh, tips for you. So before we jump in, I just want to thank our returning listeners for keeping up with us and listening to our episodes and giving us great feedback. And I want to welcome any new listeners. We've got some great episodes out there. So if you haven't listened to some of the previous ones, you you definitely want to go back and listen to those. But we're really excited today to be talking about focusing on patient care. Yes, and I that's feel like important one. I feel like it's it's one of those things that you can never, ever let up on. And so Malika, I'm going to let you get started with, with some information. Yes, thank you. I think that now you and I have been collaborating a lot about this. I think sometimes we forget about the fact that, you know, the care is what brings the patients back and we focus on the number of patients, like the you know, number of new patients when I do like my coaching calls, a lot of times they're like, well, I only had 50 new patients. It's not a good month. But then as you know, you and I talked about earlier, it's like, okay, you have a hundred new patients, but you don't have the team to deliver the wow factor. You know, I always say, I like to use the word when I talk to my pedo office is the Disney experience. So if you can provide that Disney experience, you should really gauge pivot and say, okay, do I need to see hundred new patients a month? What can I do? how do I change my schedule? If I don't have the manpower for it, is there an insurance that I need to drop that's bringing me some of those new patients and the return, the ROI on those patients is not high enough. There's so many factors that play in this, but the, the what you cannot change and take back is when you put those hundred patients on your schedule, let's say for the month of April, May, or whatever month you're looking at, let's say coming down the pipeline and then a handful of them get really upset go on their social media community page and say, don't go into that practice like a factory, you know, as a sweatshop, or they put a Google review that you cannot take back. All that hard work you did to, you know, grow your practice, have your reputation in the community becomes a bit challenging and hard to, you know, fix because now the word in the, on the street is that you are that office that the patients are just a number and not, there's no quality service. So I think it's really, really crucial for you guys to really think about this and remember the patient care is number one priority and how that plays with you as the practice owner and your entire team, because you can't do it by yourself. The team has to bring that value with you. So if your staff is telling you that, doc, I just don't feel like we can see this many patients a day right now. We don't have the hygienist, like we know we talk about shortage of staff right now. You don't have the hygienist. I don't have the system to see three columns of treatment. We need to you know, fix the schedule. It's better to know ahead of the game and talk about your months ahead versus moving patients around because that's the worst thing. I remember I used to work for a practice years ago where that's all we did. I remember as a front desk, every day I had to move patients. Like literally the day of, the doctor didn't feel like coming in at 8 a.m., so we would move patients that day. And you know what the, the staff, uh, I'm sorry, the patients would tell me, oh, again, we're doing this again. 
And usually by the second or third time, they'd be like, you know what? I need to find a new dentist. I just can't continue this. So I think these are the pieces that sometimes we forget when we are trying to gauge our practice numbers, schedule, staffing, that it really can backfire if we're not planning accordingly and scheduling to the the capacity of our team and our ability to provide the best patient care. Yeah, I I couldn't agree more. I think so many practices focus on that new patient number. And, and it is important because the practice has to grow, right? Yeah. <laughs> a pedo office, patients age out, right? They graduate to a general dentist. In a general practice, you have patients that are moving out of state, not coming back to you, leaving the practice for other reasons. So new patients are essential to the practice, but they're not all you should be focusing on. That new patient number, if you can support 100 new patients a month, great, take them. But if you can't because you're booking them out three, four months and you're neglecting your existing patient base, you shouldn't be taking on 100 new patients. And it's a really, really hard thing for doctors. It's a really hard thing. And and when you take on this abundance of patients, what happens is some of your other systems start to suffer. People, I, I know for a fact, I have some offices that had really nice templated schedules. You know, high production goes here, new, new patients go here. This is how I want it. And then because, oh, we're getting so many new patients, I'm going to put a new patient in a scaling root plating block. I'm going to put a new patient in here. And then you're really losing out on production and neglecting those patients that are existing that need to get back in a timely fashion. So if you can support it, you have the staff and, and, you know, you have the room in your schedule by all means, but if you are short staffed, like almost every other dental practice out there right now, it is something to consider. You have to take a step back and look and say, when I opened this practice or when I bought this practice, did I want to be like this volume practice or did I want to have exceptional patient care. And if you are looking for that exceptional patient care, it's time to take a step back and take a look and see like, is that what you're actually delivering? Very true. And it's hard because as a business owner myself, sometimes I'm like, like you and I talk about this, like (laughs) how many clients can we have where we can still provide the best quality service? Mm -hmm. You know, it's it's a, it's a, I will say it's a a blessing and a curse when you have that many new patients that want to come to your door. But at the same time, do you have the capacity to provide the service you are saying on your website and you have told your staff about your vision, your mission? Are you delivering that on a day-to-day basis? I know that you can't make every patient happy and not every patient's for your practice. We we can all relate to that for sure. But at the same time, did your mission statement come from the model of knowing that you want to be that Nordstrom or you want to be that Disney experience? And if that's the case, and I always joke, say, hey, the Targets and the Walmarts do great too. There's nothing wrong with them. They're very profitable. But if you are focusing more on the Nordstrom experience or the Disney experience, and you are not doing that on your day-to-day with your patients, you're losing out. And it's not about getting the patients in the door, but if your back door is open and you're losing patients because they're not coming back or they're not scheduling their next appointment, it's almost like, why did you even bring them in? Right. You know, because you just brought them in for that one appointment and couldn't give them that experience that you said you would. And a lot of times the new patients won't say anything. 
You know, the first time it's very rare and they'll leave and, you know, you try calling and your staff will text, email, call, and it's radio silent. It's like, you have to reflect and say, okay, I saw a hundred new patients in June. How many made their next appointment? Because yeah. the recapture part is so important. And if it is not at a certain percentage, then you have to really reflect within and say, what are we doing wrong in our practice that's affecting that, you know, retention? Because it's, again, as you said, it's not just about a number. It's about, okay, are they going to come back to their next appointment? Are they become, you know, a lot of times I think what we forget is that new patients are, we need them, we need them. But your most loyal patients is your existing patients. They're the ones that have been coming to you and will continue to come to you because they have now trusted you and your team. The new patients are testing you out. They're coming in and saying, mm, let me see how great he or she is. And how is the hygienist? Did the front desk greet me nicely? Do they have water in the waiting room? I mean, there's all these boxes that these patients check off before they say, this is the office for me when they're new patients. But your existing patients have been coming for three, five, 10 years. They're the most loyal and if you, as you said, if you can't get them on your schedule because you move blocks for SRPs and other blocks that you have for those existing patients just to get the new patients in, you're losing out on opportunities with your loyal patients for production purposes. Yeah. And the other thing to think of <clears throat> is, I mean, I'm working with a few offices right now that they are short staffed and every day they're moving patients because somebody's not there. Or they, they just don't have a provider to work that day. And how do you think that looks to the patients, right? We're trying to train them that we require 48 hours notice if you need to make a change. You're going to be charged if you need to make a change. We require deposits for these appointments now. And now we're constantly rescheduling them because we just don't have the capacity according to the staff. And I've seen it. And I've been watching, like, you know, I watch a lot of offices and I watch a lot of their reviews and I'm seeing it pop up. Don't go to this office. They're always running behind. Don't go to this office. They've moved my appointment five times. That is not the reputation that you want. That's a hard one. That's a really hard one because, I mean, as you said, if you get that reputation, then believe me that these new patients are reading those reviews. Yeah. I think it's so crucial to make sure that, again, if you can't see more than 15 patients a day, for whatever your reason is, you're better off keeping blocks on the schedule and not, you know, yes, it can affect your production, but, you know, the aftermath of those reviews and that reputation is really hard to clean up versus you, you know, taking a step back and saying, okay, it's going to hurt my production a little bit for the next month until I get the right team in place. That's easier to manage than just shoving the patients on your schedule just to get them in because we're having a hard time saying no to the patients that are calling. And at the same time, I think it's important to be honest with your patients and say, I'm so sorry, we have been short staffed. Our hygienist is out on maternity leave. Whatever the story is, we are doing our best to get you back on the schedule. Be, please be patient with us. We'll, you know, we'll take your name. We'll put you on the ASAP list. Communication is key because if you just keep moving patients and not telling them the reason why, like you just said right now, they're going to be like, oh, this is not the, they're not reputable. They're not, you know, they're not organized. I can't, you know, block my schedule. And then day before they're going to cancel me. And as you said, and then we're going to be like, okay, you're late 45 minutes. Sorry, we can't see you. When the last time they were in your office, they waited in the waiting room for you for 30 minutes. And I'm sure a lot of, you know, you guys can relate to the fact that 
the patient will say, oh, I waited for Dr. X last time. You know, why can't, why can I be late? I've had so many of these stories that I've heard and the funny <laughs> tells me, they're like, we don't even know what to say because they're right. The patient's right. And it makes us really uncomfortable. So we don't want to be that practice. You know, you guys don't want to be that practice. So block your schedule, be re- realistic with your goals for scheduling and also keep your team in the loop because when you're not telling your team, it's the worst thing because they're the ones, answer, especially your admin team are answering those phone calls. And being pressured to get have patients get it wanting to get in. And a lot of times the front desk also has a hard time saying no. And you've told them not to put certain patients on the schedule, but they're putting it because they don't know what else to do because you haven't given them the right direction. You know, you haven't given them the script. You haven't told them the resolution of what needs to be done. So instead of, you know, just saying no to the patient, they're like, okay, let me put this patient tomorrow at two when you already have another patient at two o'clock. It's like, can you see both patients for the same procedure at the same time? So I think that's a piece that we sometimes we forget is like, yeah, I'm aware my practice is really busy. I'm aware I don't have the manpower. I don't have enough associates or whatever the story is, but the staff in the front have no clue. And they're just trying to fill in the schedule because they're trying to what? Meet the goal <laughs> that you have given them to meet. So they're like, I don't care. I'm just going to put the patients on the schedule. And then your day is so chaotic that by four o'clock, you have nothing left in your tank, nor does your team. So then you're, you know, back to square one of what do I do to make sure that my practice is profitable? And I have that reputation in the community that I am that five-star practice. Yeah, that's important. And when it comes to scheduling, when you were talking about the goal and just patients being shoved everywhere, like I'm a firm believer When you have that goal, if you are very close to that goal or you're at that goal, even slightly over, and there's still holes in the schedule, don't fill them. It gives you time to catch up on stuff, allow emergencies to come in, do some same day treatment because you're already at that goal. And if your team knows how to schedule consistently to that goal, it'll be better patient care because you're not going to be jam-packed and you, t- you train them to look at the schedule, not just at openings, like what is our scheduling goal? Where are we? And what does tomorrow look like? Oh, I'm over goal today, but tomorrow we're $2,000 shy of goal. That's the slot. So it's more breaking the habit of letting the patients dictate when they want to come in because everybody wants to do that now, right? Patients, everybody in life is very busy. And like they have very busy schedules and they want to come in when they want to come in. But having a very open conversation with them about the doctor prefers to see, do these types of procedures at this day or time. Or, you know, we reserve this day of the week for that type of procedure so that we know we have enough time and we have the right staff going to be there on that day. That will help those patients, you know, feel like they are being treated like that VIP, they're not being rushed. They're not just a number. They get that great experience and it keeps them coming back. Very true. Very true. And I think another piece of this puzzle, which I call this like a puzzle, everything has to kind of fit like nicely is that your staff, you can be like, you know, you can have the schedule the way you feel like it's, you know, accurate enough to give that experience to your patients. You can be the most amazing clinician and give the best bedside manner when you bring that patient back. But it's crucial to make sure that your 
team is mimicking that same vision as you and able to provide that care. I think the challenging part I see a lot of times is that the doctor's phenomenal. The hygienist, let's say the clinical team is doing like, you know, doing five-star experience. They're bringing the patients on back on time. They're giving them that great experience. But then the front desk, for some reason, is not greeting the patients properly. They're, they're not, you know, don't have good phone etiquette. These things really add up. And believe me that the patients don't forget that piece because we all know that the first and last stop for every patient is the front desk. So if you, your staff is not able to understand and have a buy-in into your vision and the mission you have for your practice, it becomes really hard to give that whole, you know, wow experience to your patients. It's important to make sure that you really spend time teaching and, you know, emphasizing on this with your team, because I've walked in, I'm sure Michelle, you can relate to this. I've walked in in offices locally where the, you know, the potential clients like, Hey, can you stop by my office? Let's meet for lunch. And, you know, so that you can look at my numbers and see if you can help me. For example, I'll go in, the staff has no idea that I'm coming in and they won't even look up to say hello to me, to just say last name. And I'm not even a patient. And, you know, immediately I know what the problem is. I hate to say that's, you know, your first impressions of everything. So it's like, okay, if this front poor front desk can't even look up to say hello to me, she could be the most amazing front desk, but she's either burnt out under, you know, she's only one person answering phones, checking, checking out patients. And by the time, you know, it's lunchtime, she barely can even lift up her head. That could be, I could have been a new patient walking in or an existing patient walking in. So it's so important to make sure that you are spending that time with your team, understanding that, you know, it, where their capacity is at. And if they're able to make that connection with your patients, just the way you can, because you can only do so much. Again, you can be phenomenal. You can numb the patient without it hurting. And, you know, he, him saying, oh my God, he's, she's, he's so good. I didn't even feel the needle, for example. You know, hygienist was amazing and spent so much time. But if your front desk on the phone, your assistant, whoever, the entire team has to have a buy-in into this experience. Because if they don't, it truly affects the patient care. And I've heard this so many times. Patient X loves me. I cannot believe he asked for his records. I don't know what went wrong. Because again, don't forget, you can't do this by yourself. Your team has to help you get there. And if they're not on the same page as you, it really you lose that patient care. It's, it's gone. It's out the door. Yeah, exactly. And the hard part for everyone is I think, Again, talking about how we're short staffed and, you know, if you are an office that is fully staffed and people show up on time and every day, like, congratulations, you are a rare commodity yeah. right yeah, now. Very true. Uh, and like you do everything you can to keep that team happy because the reality of it is the majority of offices, they're, they're short staffed, maybe not like on paper, on paper, they might have the right amount of people, but people are still getting sick and the work ethic has has been a little bit questionable oh, yeah. these oh, days. Yeah. So I think it's important that when you have these people, these, you know, elite team members that do buy in, that you have to take care of them. And, and for me, one of the things when I see that person and I can see like they're the only one doing everything and they're there every day is <clears throat> find out what they're doing every day. And have them write it down for a week. This is what I did every day for a week. And you're going to find because you guys are so busy, you're on that hamster wheel, there's going to be parts of their job that are neglected. And, okay. and it could be 
following up on outstanding insurance. It could be sending the statements to the patients because they're so busy managing that schedule and checking the patients in and checking the patients out that there's no time for anything else. And that affects the overall patient care too, because nothing worse than a patient that was like, well, what do you mean I'm getting a statement? I haven't been seen in over six months. Why, why is it taking me six to nine months to get a statement? Or why is it taking six to nine months for my insurance to pay? Well, if nobody has time to work on it, then of course it's going to fall behind because the, the most important thing in the moment is that patient care. That's so true. So true. You nailed it. You know, I mean, and I think what happens is that, you know, by the time you find out that this poor, poor and administered person has forgot to run the AR or whatever it was, it's like almost too late. And now you just mm-hmm. spend so much time. We're like treatment planning. I have situations where the patient's ready to sign the treatment plan, but the admin is so, dr- so busy or is drowning that she can't even get the treatment app plan emailed. So the patient's like, well, I was ready to get started. But I haven't got an email from Susie in the front desk to send me that. And poor Susie is literally drowning. It's not that she's not doesn't want to. It's because she's got so many other things like the phone calls coming in, trying to get verification benefits on hold with care first for 45 minutes. Like those are the things we forget that it's like it has changed so much in the past couple of years is that by the time she wants to send that treatment, but it could be a week after their appointment. And that patient might not be as excited anymore to get those, you know, four crowns done. Yeah. No. So I think that you, you really nailed it really well, because I think that's the piece that we forget is that there's so many balls in there. There's so many things being done that sometimes we drop the thing is like, oh, it can wait. The AR can wait, you know, because I got to get the patient in front of me, which makes sense. But that's where you decide, okay, do I have the right systems in place? Is my team working smart and efficiently or are they working hard because a lot of times most of the offices i get exposed to they're all working super hard really really hard and then they're not really don't have the systems in place to implement to like you know find ways okay outsourcing verifications for example you know if you can't outsource it you don't have the time for that those days are gone where you could be on hold for 10 minutes and get a verification done (laughs) That's not, I, I don't even know when was the, I don't even remember what, what year that was. That's like <laughs> long gone, <laughs> especially if you're insurance based, that's a different, like you don't have to verify every single patient. And the minute you don't, it's your problem, not the patient's problem, as you guys all know. So you want to make sure that you're doing that correctly as well. Yeah, it's, it's challenging. And I think like my biggest piece of advice where, you know, heading into to the second quarter, of the year. It's a great time to reevaluate things. And, and I like to, to say to my doctors in the, in my, cause I work with a lot of younger practices or I work with a lot of doctors that have recently acquired a practice, go back to like your initial vision. Why were you opening this practice? What were you looking to do? Were you looking to, to have, you know, multiple associates and multiple hygienists and be working six days a week, 12 hours a day and not having time to yourself? Because I doubt that that was the, the goal when you opened your doors, but somehow it quickly spirals into that. So there's nothing wrong with taking a step back and reevaluating what you have currently. And if you have to scale back temporarily, you scale back temporarily until it changes and there's, you know, team members available again, 
you know, patients would rather you tell them like, you know, we don't have, we're not accepting new patients at this time, then be put into a schedule and be moved 10 times. They would appreciate that more. And I know it's a very hard thing for a doctor to hear, like we're turning patients away. Yeah. That's a but tough one. it is, it really is. But again, you have a whole patient base that's being neglected. And I can guarantee, like I look at clients all the time, like dental Intel is one of my favorite things. Cause I can see how many patients aren't scheduled. You have, these people have already been in your office and they have treatment plans and they have hygiene that's not scheduled. But yet we're all excited because we got a hundred new patients this month. Sure. It's very, and I think one thing that you pinpoint is like, yes, you, you know, you tell your staff, I let's just t- not take any more new patients, you know, effective, whatever date you choose. I think it's also important to make sure that you have an open communication line with the people answering your phones to maybe gauge the number of new patients that are calling that you're not able to get in to decide, do you have the the chairs, the manpower to eventually grow your practice to that next level and bring the, the associate to help you, for example, or are you ready for the second hygienist? These are things that is important to know. And, you know, but as Michelle, you said it really well, but if your vision and your, you know, is that you want to be that boutique practice, one doctor, one hygienist, then you say no to those patients. And maybe, maybe because when you were a startup, you took every insurance under the sun because you just need to get started. There's no, there's nothing wrong with that. But let's say you're three years in and you just can't get any more new patients in. Look at your fees. What can you, what insurance is not working well for you that you can drop so that you can open up your practice to patients that maybe are more fees for service or want to come to you at a network and pay full fees to come in. Like, and even like acquisitions, I think I see this a lot of times acquisition is that they want to mirror the seller, which I think is a phenomenal idea because you don't want to, in the beginning, you want to make sure you retain as many active patients as possible. But let's say a year down from ownership, you see, wow, I'm getting so many new patients and my staff is telling me they can't get them in. Look at what you inherited from the seller and what can you take, eliminate that is just not working with your vision because you inherited that. You had no choice in the beginning, but now you can make your own decisions and that opens up the channel for more opportunity and more growth for your practice. Yeah, it, it's about looking at the big picture too and doing it often. A lot of people panic and we'll just do it at the end of the year or when the team is telling them, you know, we're not able to get people in. This is the problem that we're having. I think it's really important, just like you tell your team members, like there's certain reports that you're supposed to run daily, weekly, monthly, or on the clinical side, like maintenance, right? We have monthly monthly maintenance. We have weekly maintenance on, on the equipment. And so the same thing for the doctor in terms of the health of the practice too. If patient care is something that you are, you know, you want prioritized, and, and, you know, you want to be proud of how your team treats your patients and what they walk away saying, then you need to evaluate it on a regular basis to see, like, can you support what you're doing? Like, are you living and breathing every day what you want to? So those patients have nothing but nice things to say every single time they leave that office. Very true. And I think what we have... I don't know, Michelle, if you see this, but I'm seeing this a lot lately. And I think it was like during COVID shutdown and after shutdown, my doctors were so focused on just opening the doors back up 
trying to get back to their you know, production numbers pre-COVID, dealing with staffing issues and all the, you know, you know the PPE, all that stuff that just came with it. Like, you know, do, am I, do I have my mask? Do I have my gear? A lot of burnout. I'm seeing mm-hmm. so much burnout. It makes me sad. There are amazing practices. The doctors are phenomenal clinicians, but they're so burnt up because they're, they've been, you know, trying to work as a hygienist and a doctor at the same time trying to be the office manager now because they don't have one. And it's like, they can only do so much. It's like they go home and they're now managing the practice from home remotely. I have doctors that are posting payments from home. Yep. And it's like, okay, what is your value? What can you let go of that brings you peace? Because there's no, there's no number, financial number that can, can bring you that balance and peace. It saddens me that I would have a four-year-old dentist telling me that I need to sell my practice because I am burnt out. Well, you've been doing so much because you were trying to take care of your patients and give the patients the patient care that you used to give pre-COVID with less staff and more stress. So it's like, how do I step out of that situation? Look at my current situation, say, what can I change to bring balance so that I can continue to give the same patient care and have me time? Because dentistry is, I always say dentistry is stressful no matter what seat you have. Any seat in that practice is stressful. It's like, how do you manage it so that you have that balance and you're not burning out? And I think that's the piece I think I'm seeing a lot of, especially the, this recently the last six months. And I think it's because people are finally starting to realize, oh my God, what just happened to us the last two years? Yeah. And how do I go back to, and I have a lot of clients that are having a hard time saying, well, in 2019, and I'm like, we're not in 2019 anymore. Now we have to, come to terms with what we have available in our toolbox now currently and how can we utilize them and still have balance because pre-COVID days are like, it's just not existence right now. There's staffing wise, especially we're just not there. We got to get creative. Outsourcing is the biggest thing right now. You're doing billing from home, outsourcing. There's so many great companies out there that will do all of that for you and do it even probably better than your staff works doing in-house because they are more valuable to answer your phones and schedule patients for you. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of resources available. And, and for me, like I've already said it, like take the time to reevaluate. And if you need to take a day, have a meeting with your team, get everybody back on track. People's visions change. I get that. You know, as as when you first opened your practice, you may want something a little bit different now. But if you're not sharing that with the team so that they understand you're you're going to be off. Not everybody's going to be working towards the same thing. And I find that practices that take that time, whether it's once a year or once a quarter, to sit down and explain to the team, this is why we're here. This is what we want to accomplish. And this is what we want for our patients because ultimately they're the reason the doors are open is for those right. patients. If you do that on a regular basis, you'll be able to get back to that patient care and that focus and and having happy patients and happy staff happy staff members. It's a good experience. You can't just let it keep going. Very true. Very true. And it's like putting the time out for that is so so important. <laughs> I think you can realize it's like I want to come in and coach your team. But if you're not willing to put the time and block out the schedule, that's where the value comes. You've got to invest on your team and work on your practice. We guys are spending so much time working in your practice that working on your practice really helps 
bring that balance that you need and, and, and it reflects on how you take care of those patients that are in your practice. Exactly. Well, I think there's a lot of great tips. Malika, thank you for sharing. You have a lot of great insight. And I think our listeners, like, hopefully, will go back and take a tidbit or two to help, you know, help increase the patient care and and be able to focus on that practice, you know, and go back to that why. Why did we start this whole thing? Yes. And I always learn something new from you, Michelle. I love this podcast. <laughs> I know, I know. Back and forth, we walk away with some some yeah. new stuff. I hope that the listeners do as well. So with that being said, like, thank you for joining us today. And we look forward to you joining us on our next episode. Yes, thank you, everyone. Thanks for joining us on Accelerating Your Dental Practice. To connect with Malika and Michelle, visit zardentalconsulting.com and affinitymanagement.co and learn how they can help you accelerate your practice even further.